look, you don't have to listen to this, but I wanted to place it in here for posterity. Um, today, as I record this, May the 11th, is the anniversary, the annual anniversary of my very first radio show doing technology. And I guess you would kind of say that that's the anniversary of me getting into this gig. While the format of that has changed, you know, dramatically over the years, 16 years ago, I jumped on the radio at 2GB with Brian Wilshire at 10 o'clock at night and um, co-hosted Chip for Brains, which was the radio show every week, taking calls, reading emails and those kind of things, uh, talking technology. Now, I haven't listened to it in full, but I've flicked through bits of it and it is remarkable because... We talk about scams in the same way that we talk about them today. A um, little bit more virus talk than scams, but you know, we mentioned banks not sending emails. Um, there's a there's a fun call looking at Windows updates and how slow that would be back in the dial-up days. Um, my favourite part is at the start. I talk about a piece of technology that's impacted me the most. And remember, this is uh, a long time ago, sixteen years ago. Uh, so I just thought, now this is, <clears throat> to be clear, I, I have a lot of um, recordings of the show because it was podcast back in the day. So I've been podcasting for 16 years, you could also say. Um, I, don't, I couldn't find quickly the one from the 11th of May, um, but I have the 18th. So this is the second show. This is the second Chip for Brains radio show that I hosted. I, did, I hosted this, I think, for two years and then we moved it to, uh, we renamed it Your Tech Life and moved it to seven o'clock on a Thursday. And that was when the Your Tech Life podcast started. So anyway, just for giggles, uh, skip ahead to the next show if you want to, you know, have your normal programming. But I thought I'd throw this one in here because, hey, it's 16 years ago. Uh, enjoy. Chipper Brains with uh, Brian Wilshire. Uh, this is on the Brian Wilshire show. Brian Wilshire hosted, I'm going to say, 8 till midnight. I'm pretty sure it was 8 till midnight, not 9 till midnight. Uh, every every weeknight on 2GB and, you know, had a pharmacist come in, had different people come in and host hours with him as well as just doing a couple of hours of talk back at the end. I, actually, I was actually confident this was 9 till 10, but it might have been 10 till 11. But it was those last couple of hours that Brian would go wild into the deep, dark troves of the internet to find interesting stories for his nighttime audience. But tech tech was a big thing for him. He was a huge user of the internet. It was where he got information and insights well ahead and well around many other people. Anyway, this is 16 years ago. Oh, yes, it's time for the Chip for Brain show starring Trevor Long. Good evening, All right, Ryan. that's enough. Take it easy. Right. They're obedient mob. Good day, Trev. Good evening, Brian. How are you? Thank you for coming in so late, because you get up fairly early each day, don't you? I like to get in early. You get here about what time? About six. Oops, Daisy. Six. Is it, there such a time? There is, and the traffic is beautiful at that time of the morning. Right. 25 minutes to get here. It's beautiful. And you're here most of the day, then? Most of the you day. go home for dinner and then come Head back. Head home, see the little man. Workaholic, I think it is. Something like that. I'm here for you, Brian. Well, fantastic. Hope you don't find a cure for it. No, hope Trevor. not. Now, 
What have you got for us tonight while I look at some of the notes that I've got well, here? Well, we got, we got a few good emails during the week, and there's a few things we'll cover off there. Uh, some very simple questions from people uh, mm. about things we talked about last week, eBay, mm. YouTube, and a few other things. But there's one thing um, I was wondering whether people might give us a call about, and that's technology that's affected you. There's nothing, in my opinion, that sells an item like word of mouth. Mm. Um, all the marketing in the world can't beat a good recommendation. And I thought we'd put this to the listeners and, and ask them, what's the one piece of technology that's most changed your life in the last couple of years? Apart from new lawn for your car, of course. Of course. Just had to put a That doesn't have a chip in it. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. it could be anything. It could be, it could be a type of phone, a satellite navigation system, a piece of software on your computer, just a new style of radio, a new type of TV, or something we haven't even thought about. But I'd just be interested to, see, to hear how, those, how that one item has changed, changed your life, uh, made, made life easier. Mm -hmm. uh, improved your previous standard of living, whatever it might be. But, Brian, I, I had a bit of a think about it, and the, the mm -hmm. item for me isn't actually something of mine. It's actually a camera on my wife's mobile phone. Oh, yeah. See, now, they've had cameras on mobile phones for years, yeah, yeah. and I've never wanted one because I thought, I've always got a digital camera somewhere yeah, nearby. Yeah. Why, why would I need one on my phone? Mm -hmm. But we've just had a baby in December. Ah. Now, my wife, I'm here at work, 6 o'clock in the morning, Jackson wakes up, she can take a photo of him, smiling, yep. laughing, giggling, whatever, and send it to me on my mobile phone or on the email. Yeah. How handy See is that? that? That's changed the world and for me. And most, if not all, the mobile phone cameras are the best cameras to use for babies because they don't hit them with a flash. You're not supposed to flash in the baby's eyes. True. For the newborn, apparently. There are plenty of, plenty of the phones now coming out with flashes, though, so it's a, it's a little oh. different. But, um, mm. but you know, that's, it's just such a simple little thing, and it's, and it's really made a difference to me. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not an expensive gadget. It's pretty much mm. every mobile phone these days has got a, got a camera in it, but um, most of us don't have them. A lot of people don't have a mobile yeah. phone with a camera in them, or they cost? don't use it. What's the cost to send a picture, then, roughly? The cost of an MMS message, which, you know, isn't... So an SMS message is a text message where I might send, a, right. send just words to you that says, good evening, Brian, how are you? That's, you know, 25 cents. And I think an MMS message is similar, if not maybe maybe no more than double. Right. So that's an MMS message. What's that stand for? Multimedia message. Right. And the SMS? Don't know. Short messaging service. Short messaging service, right. As At a right. guess. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure that's it, though. So, you know, it's, I, I don't know, Brian, is there something you can think of the last couple of years? It's, oh. a, it's a tough one because it, a lot of us don't and a lot well, of people... The, the, the PC... The personal computer. That's that's. I didn't grow up with them. We didn't grow up with them. The whole generation knows nothing else. Mm. And you're ever evolving your PC too. You're always adding little pieces of software to it. You know, you talked about that yeah. that uh, software program that allowed you to manipulate photos to make them look like paintings. Make them look like yeah, paintings. You know, that's a great little thing. When once we get the PC and connected to the net, we then have a a portal whereby you can get so much good stuff. And information at no extra cost. True. Never has a, so much been available for free. And there's also a lot of misinformation. So it's a, it's a very mm. it's a it's a fine line. You know, you talk about something like Wikipedia. Have you ever used Wikipedia, bro? Oh yes, yeah, a lot. Yeah. Now a lot of people wouldn't have heard of it. But it's, you can edit it, so you don't know if that's right. If it's so the professor. That Wikipedia. W i k i p e d i a. Wikipedia. dot com, or dot org actually. Yeah. Um, what it is, it's, just, it's an encyclopedia. There's millions and millions of items there. You can, you can look up 2GB and it tells you all about 2GB. Mm -hmm. You can look up uh, Andrew Johns and it'll tell you all about Andrew Johns, the footballer. But the problem with it is any Joe Blow can read the article about Andrew Johns mm -hmm. and edit it. 
and they can type whatever they like yeah, in there. Yeah. Now, most of the high, most high-profile items are monitored by people and people watch them and mm. fix them if people make mistakes. But the bottom line is it's all user-generated content. Yeah. And so it's dangerous in that sense. Um, so you've got to be careful of that sort of thing. You've got to be careful of your sources on the internet. Um, you know, there's no guarantees in life, but um, mm. that's just sort of a word of warning, I suppose, to, to any information on the internet, not just not just Wikipedia. Um, you know, YouTube may be taking over the world, but um, <laughs> Wikipedia and things like that are going to become resources for children in the future when they're doing yeah. school, school experiments. When you type something into Google, mm. a lot of the time, the first search result mm. is a Wikipedia result. Yeah. Yeah, and that's because it's it's heavily featured, it's heavily linked, and it seems seems to be quite accurate. And how quickly, without the aid of television advertising, or even radio advertising, how quickly did Google become a universal search engine? How quickly well, did YouTube become the go? That's and absolutely MySpace. right. Well, MySpace is a weird one. MySpace yeah. is a weird one. I, to be honest, I'm not a big MySpace Neither user. I've, I, no. I've barely looked at it. MySpace started MySpace M Y S P A C E. MySpace started as a as a place for musicians and and people who are into music to to log on, share their details, meet other people interested in the same sort of music and things like that. But it's become more recently a place for you to have your own little website. Um, the problem is it's it's a website bound by advertising by the by the owners of News Limited, um, and you know it has problems you know you talk about um, there's stalking issues there there's there's sexual predators there it's mm-hmm. it has issues and any any open open project like that you know is always going to have issues and uh, unless you're controlling it all yourself and you know building and purchasing your own website that's that's always going to be a problem let's take some calls now on 131873 hello Kerry oh hi Brian hi, hi Trevor hi, hi Kerry oh, hi well first, oh, a few years ago I changed from one company to another and um I, I know you guys know what my my internet company is, but the man that works is my internet provider, or the, you know the company. Hmm. He has managed to put a television screen on my computer, so that if I have a fault or something I really can't work out, I can give him a ring, and he can click into his screen, and he can work from my computer to his computer, and he can fix it from his end. What that is, it's a remote desktop. It's and it's unbelievable. A, it's a great little thing for exactly that purpose, and that's what it was built for. Windows or Microsoft built it into Windows, um, so that basically, you know, if someone has a problem and uh, and they want my help, I can not only talk them over the phone and say, and that's you know, that's a, a big problem with helping people over the phone is trying to describe to them that thing you want them to click on. Click, click on the on the well, from he, button and click over here. What well, you can I do now I, is is I can connect to your computer. Now, as long as I know certain details about your computer and certain passwords, you can't just openly connect oh, no, to people's he, computers. He, he has the passwords, he knows what it is, and I don't even have to talk to him. I can see his arrow moving around, and he goes through the whole computer, fixes it like he did the other day, and he's really, really good. It's a bit and of a funny thing to watch someone else using your computer when I you're know, not even there. The mouse is moving around. Thinking, and... Oh, my God, is it me or them? And the other thing I changed was I, I got onto Mozilla from listening to Brian's program. I love it. And I also like, um, I changed from one program to a, uh, a, a more secure program called uh, AV, like it's a CAV, it's just like a, a virus protector. And I have a couple more put in. 
and it's just made my life so much easier. Yeah, well, there's some really complex virus protection programs out there. Um, I mean, I've always, I don't know what program you use, Brian, but I've I've always been a user of Symantec and Norton Antivirus and things mm-hmm. like that. Always was, found it to be good, always I've found used it to be Sophos, reliable. Sophos for many years. I, well, I, I was for years and years and years, and I had fought with it. it you know, it was, I, I said to them, I spoke to them, I had them look at it, I had them everything, and I, I just, it just became... Um, more more trouble than it was worth. It's not. I'm not saying it's a terrible program. It's a great program, but it wasn't just for my um, computer. Hmm. And I've now I've got um, Defender, and I've got this other one. And I have, and I'm very careful about sending emails and stuff like that. But this man, he's wonderful. I mean, he can even work on like sound, volume, everything for me. And he's the greatest guy in the world. Well, oh, you're lucky okay. to have someone to help you like that, I think, that's for sure. And the other thing I'd like to ask you, Trevor, one day, can you tell us how to write the shortest email in town? Because I'm trying to work it out, but I'm having trouble sometimes. How to write the shortest email in town? What do you, you mean? You know, do you know when you send an email to you guys? Hmm. Take all the vowels out. No, I'm only joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, that's what the kids I, do. I have enough trouble as it is. And I, and I also, well, don't talk about the weather. Don't ask how the kids are. No, I don't do any of that. Or who's married to it's whom. It's not like writing a letter from, from the good old days, is it? No, no. I, I no short and simple. But um, I, I just sometimes think, I know they're too long, but how do you make them so brief you only get two lines to get... Um, two lines? That's a long email. <laughs> oh, two words is getting long for me. Expert, See, people ask me questions, and while I'm on air, I can only use one the keyboard line. with one hand because it's over there and I'm over here. So I reach out, one finger, tap, 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 and generally don't even capitalise the, the proper nouns. Oh, Capitalisation okay. is dead in emails. Almost dead, yeah. Okay, I just learned something. And don't do everything in capitals because that means you're shouting. Oh, sorry, And that's... Sorry. that. I, no, I, I didn't say you I were, know. but sometimes <laughs> I get an email where everything is capitals. Well, sometimes my eyesight plays up, oh. and I have a, a condition where my eyesight plays up, and I can't see actually what I'm writing, even with my blue lenses that I've had made. Well, you want that special thing that magnifies the screen. Yeah, I have. But Windows has that. that yeah, you can, it's actually a feature in Windows. Yeah. Yeah, I have that with Windows, I have that with Explorer, and I have it with Mozilla, and uh, my... Uh, Mark has put all those things in for me, and he's just the greatest guy. He's just like you blokes. Well, you've done well. (laughs) All right, Kerry, you've got to go. See you, guys. Okay, all the best. With Trevor Long and the Chip for Brains Computer Show, which is spelled C-H-I-P, and then the number four, then B-R-A-I-N-S. Not F-O-R. Capital C and capital B, if you really want to do it properly. Got to be right. Yeah, you've got to get it's it right. Done correctly. Now, yeah. uh, Brian, I've given you a little uh, little note there on a keyboard yes. that's coming out late this year. And a date. Now, this is for, for people who've bought a keyboard recently. Mm-hmm. Keyboards are pretty standard things. They're mm-hmm. either really basic or they've got some great little fun buttons and things around them. Microsoft have keyboards. And they're all made for little short, people yeah. yes. who touch type. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a keyboard coming out at the end of this year which costs. Now, a normal keyboard might cost 20 or $30, or if it's one of those wireless ones, bucks, yeah. it, it might be $100. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This keyboard costs $1,500, Brian. $1,500. And do you know why? Russian design. Is yeah, it's, it's designed by an artist, basically. But each key, instead of having a letter printed on it, mm-hmm. it has a little screen. So each key <laughs> is like a mini mini TV. Yeah. little 48 pixels wide. User configurable. Exactly. 
So that if you're if you're using a French keyboard, the layout's slightly different to an English one. So you just press a button and it changes the layout. Ah. And on the left hand side of the keyboard, there's little shortcuts to your favourite programs, your email, mm, your yeah. your internet, your different programs, Word and all that. Okay. And instead of just saying Word or email mm. or, or being printed on it, it's got the actual icon, the same mm. little, little coloured icon that you have on your desktop. Fifteen hundred dollars, and they're only making four hundred of them. So good luck. Oh, <laughs> designed in Russia. Yeah, the artist, an artist designed in Russia. Yeah. But anyway, I don't think it'll be available here. I want one that's configurable for the pressure that you put on, so you have to hit the key hard for it to work. Because sometimes I just miss a key, and the wrong letter comes up. You need yeah. to shop around. Not user. There's friendly. a lot of keyboards out there, Brian. You mm-hmm. need to shop around. Yeah. Now, something uh, someone raised with me during the week was junk mail. Junk, spam, whatever you want to call it, junk mail. Now, I did some numbers today, Brian, on my email. I don't know how many junk mails or spam you get. But today, Thousands. just today on my 2GB email address, I received 309 emails. Of yeah. those, 132 of them were automatically marked as spam. 43% of my emails today were spam. They all went into my spam folder. 97 of them were legitimate work-based emails, and another 80 of them I deleted. So 25% of my emails today I deleted. Mm-hmm. Another 43% were automatically junk mail. But mm-hmm. there's some really worrying emails going around. Um, and these are, these are not virus-based emails. Yeah. These are not things that are going to be viruses. It's very rare these days for an email on its own to give you a virus because if you're running the right updates on your computer, mm-hmm. you'll be up to date with the basics that cause problems in your email. Mm-hmm. But I got one today which said, Joanne has tagged you. I've, I've got that several times today. Mm. And it I, says, I Joanne, put a junk, junk email order and it jumped over that and came back. Joanne has added you as a friend mm-hmm. on tagged. Yeah. Is Joanne your friend? Yes or no? <laughs> Now, the trick here is, what this is all about, this is about getting your email address and storing it. Whoa. See, I can I can buy on the internet, I can buy for like $100, 100,000 email addresses, mm. and marketers use them. But yeah. for the most part, only 1% of those email addresses will actually work. So if you answer it, they know they've got a hit. If you don't answer exactly. it, they don't know if you're so, there. And this, this, is, this is very cunning, really, saying yes or no, because you're inclined, as a user at home, is Joanne your friend? You're inclined to say no. And click on it. But by clicking on no, you are saying to the company or person who sent that email to you, I exist. This email exists. And you're basically asking for trouble. You're asking for hundreds of emails to come your way, you know, offering you anything from things you don't want to think about to just products that you'll never be interested in. So the the simple advice to people with, and it applies to viruses as well as just junk mail. Avoiding junk mail, the number one thing you can do is never reply. Never reply and mm. say, keep me off your list. Absolutely. Because again, yes. by replying and saying, keep me off your list, you're saying, I exist. This is an active address. Exactly. Mm, someone here is reading them. Just yeah. ignore it. Now, mm. it can be tricky because you can get an email, i got another one, from a name I didn't exi- didn't recognise, but it, it could well have been someone I recognised. Might have said Barry, mm. and it said thanks for your help. And I oh, I open it up because well, mm. I must have helped him. <laughs> and in inside was just advertising for yeah, who knows some sort of um, pharmaceutical product. Let's just those say. things that we know you don't need, Trevor. That's exactly mm. right. So you know, but the problem is. You know, you're tricked into reading that. You're tricked into reading that email because it says thanks, thanks for your help, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the the thing about that is, it's no, it's no. There's no harm in reading that email. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not going to hurt your computer by reading that email. The key there is not to reply to it. Don't reply and say get me off your list. Yeah. Don't do anything. Just hit delete. If you don't recognise the name of the person who sent you the email, hit delete. Mm. If you don't recognise the content of the email immediately. Hit delete. Don't mm. go through and read it. Now, the most troubling one, Brian, yeah. are banks. 
Right? Can I just say before you consider just deleting it, if it's one of those regular ones like Joanne or Mac, whatever it was, mm. then you can create a rule for it. You can either create put a it rule. in junk mail or create a rule that whenever this person sends you an email, it will automatically go to the deleted bin, which you can check each day before you delete, just in case there's one there you really wanted that accidentally the, got the in. Best antivirus programs, and I know that Norton, Symantec Norton, and, and probably a lot of them do it, have built-in spam fighters. So built-in detectors for these sort of things. And what they allow you to do is click on an email and actually say, this email is junk. And it'll remember that in future and it'll try mm, and, But the yeah. bottom line is, they change their tactics every day. And by changing one word in the subject, or one word in the, in the mm. message, your, that rule you've created, or that, that computer program that did recognise the email might not recognise it tomorrow. So you've always got to be vigilant, ever vigilant on, on emails coming through because I've known people who've set up email accounts with Hotmail or Gmail or mm, Yahoo, those yeah. free email-based programs, and they, they, within days, they're getting emails mm. randomly because for no other reason than they opened a Hotmail account. If you open a Hotmail account and it's B will share one, two, three, yeah. just because there's some bloke in America or Kazakhstan who's generating 100,000 emails a day just mm. by typing every combination of letters. Well, and gets the computer to do it. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. It's a computer program just generating generating emails out to random addresses. And all he wants is for one of them to reply. And as soon as mm. that one replies, he then sells that email yeah. address to a marketing company and makes big money. Mm. But I was just going to say, the big one that's a worry, I think, and people need to be wary of, especially our audience, um, is banks. Mm -hmm. If you get an email from oh, the Commonwealth yeah. Bank or you get an email from the St. George Bank and you're a St. George Bank customer, you think, oh, I better open that. It's, it's important. And it might say important security update, click here, <laughs> change your password yeah. or whatever. Banks are very clear. Banks don't send emails. Mm. They never will send you an email. They'll never ask you for your password. They'll never do. There's very clear rules about banking, and it's the same with protecting your your identity. You know, banks will never ring you and ask for your password. Mm. They'll ring you and ask to verify your address, your name, your your birth date, if if you want to get information from them. But if you see an email from a bank, delete it. Now, the Commonwealth Bank one that I saw today talked about you know changing your address and all these sort of things. Click here to update your information. Now the problem is. On the surface, when you see the email, it says combank.com.au and you think, well, that's a legitimate address. But hidden underneath that, in the mm -hmm. back end of that email, in the code, if you like, is a completely different address. Mm -hmm. So when you click on it, you're actually going somewhere completely mm. different. And anyone can build a website that looks like the Commonwealth Bank website. Well, when you click on something, you could be opening a file, couldn't you? You could be. You don't know what you're clicking you, on. It could be an know, executable file. You don't file. know where you're going at the other end. Most computers will warn you about executable files and things, but you've got to be worried about where you're going to end up and what information you're going to put in. And I think it was Symantec that warned today of a Trojan that's coming in via a method that Microsoft uses to update, Microsoft update your Windows, mm. that one. And that's trouble. So how do you know if you're getting it or not? It's uh, all you can do automatically, doesn't all it? All you can do is continue to update your antivirus program. Mm -hmm. Now, I've got – the one I use now is quite interesting. It's It sort of sits on my computer I don't know about. It's called mm -hmm. NOD32. Mm -hmm. um, and and I installed it. I paid for it. And I've really never heard from it since. I just know that it's it's updating itself every now and then and it's, and it's all working well. It connects with mission it's control. connecting and updates, once a day yeah. and, and updates. And that's what you need to do. Semantic or, or antivirus, McAfee, Trend, all the different ones that you might have on your computer. I'd never be scared. A lot of uh, computer technicians will come to your home and they'll – tell you that you know the program you've got isn't quite good enough and mm -hmm. to upgrade and use this one mm -hmm. the bottom line is brian none of them are perfect
Yeah. None of them really do everything. They all protect from viruses pretty well these days. Mm-hmm. There's things called spyware and mm-hmm. adware and all these different words that mean a lot of weird things, but basically they mean that it's more than just viruses. And if you've just opened up your computer, you've got it out of the box, you've plugged it in, plugged it into the internet, if you don't have an antivirus, in 10 minutes you'll, you'll have, have all Trojans and stuff running Because the when you connect to the internet, you become part of the internet. Mm. Okay, you're actually connected. There's a number associated to your computer, and there's there's computers out there that just search. They just mm. search for vulnerable computers. So, you've got to have something installed mm. from the start. And the first thing you should do when you buy a new computer is to perform a Windows update. Don't install any of your software. Don't go mm. surfing the web. Yeah. Turn it on. Connect it to the internet. Install your antivirus, and then do a Windows update. It's a very, very easy thing to do, and I recommend everyone does it at least once a week. It can be done automatically in the background, and most computers will be set to do it. But how do you know it's really working? How do you know it's really doing it? Just do it yourself. And all you need to do if you're using Windows, and, and most people are, is click Start, and then click Windows Update. And it's, if it's not there in that first screen, click Start, and then Programs and Windows Update. That will open up your internet browser. It'll take you to Microsoft. And there's two options, Express or Custom. Click Express. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. And then it takes you through this rigmarole of checking your computer, all these different things. It might take 10 minutes or so, but it'll check your computer and find out what version of your computer you've got, how old the Windows version is, and all those things. And it'll download all the the fixes that Microsoft have had. The Mm -hmm. tragic thing about Microsoft is, is... they release Windows Vista, which is a brand new operating system, and then literally, you know, weeks later, they're mm. already releasing patches mm. for the for the program, which, you know, fix vulnerabilities. But they would have had beta testers all over the world testing it out for ages hundreds of thousands of them. Mm. But that doesn't see the best best beta tester would be the would be the the hackers and the people that make the viruses. Yeah, the people that find the vulnerabilities. But you know, the the bottom line is most of the vulnerabilities are minor. Most mm. of them are just protection because they find something themselves. Um, but if you were to buy, let's say you had in your, in your desk an old copy of Windows XP Pro, which is probably four or five years old now. Yeah, I use that at home. Exactly. It's a great operating system. Mm. Yeah, You buy a new computer and you put that on it. As soon as mm. you plug it in, it's going to download hundreds of updates. Mm. Lots and lots and lots of updates because there's so many things they've found on on their operating system that need to be updated. And if you don't have them, you are vulnerable. You're vulnerable mm. to people attacking your computer, to viruses and all those things. So that's that's a very important thing to be doing on a weekly basis, if not a monthly basis, if you're mm. not using a, using the computer too regularly. Start, programs, Windows update. You can't go wrong. Now, I've just been looking at the Chip for Brains website. Okay, chipforbrains.com, the four being a number four. And uh, in the top five interesting links, the first one is... An item about the ELP laser turntable. I don't know if you've heard of this one. No, I have not. It operates like a DVD player, really, in that the drawer comes out, you put your record on it, you push the drawer back in, and a laser reads... LP. 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 45s and Flat black plastic, yeah. Mm. And a laser bounces off the groove, Mm. and nothing touches the record but the platter that it's sitting on. Mm. Nowhere. You can play it over and over and over and over, nowhere whatsoever. And Isn't that cool? I know years ago they were trying to perfect this one. I'm trying to find the cost. <laughs> uh, request more info. Here we go. Do you have to send an email to request more about it? You probably do. I would imagine it's a pretty expensive device because, well, like so many of uh, the things we have, some of it is still clockwork. It, it's hard 
to believe you've got the little still mem memory and... sticks, mm. which are modern because there are no moving parts. But when you've got something like a hard drive, it's only one step from Edison. It's something turning around with a bit of clockwork. That's right. And another bit of clockwork's got to drive the the head to the right place. Moves to the, the laser trillionth to the right of an part. inch. Yes, exactly. Well, it's a, it's a, I'm just looking at it now. Mm. Um, that's a that's a big unit. It's going to be sitting on your on your desk. Yeah, uh, I'd, that that'd be in the hundreds of dollars there, Brian. I don't know if you but, spent much time uh, taking your LP music and say, putting it onto computer. That's what it'd be. You could spend for. all night cleaning up a track. Mm. But it's the kind of housework men love to do because you <laughs> only have to do it once. When you've cleaned up all those scratches, taken the rumble away from it, maybe adjusted the speed, that's it. You now have forever a record that's clean. It's like vacuuming your house, knowing you never have to do it again. How long? This forever, is good Brian? housekeeping. How long's forever? How well? It's longer than me or yes, you. But that's all it that, has to do. That brings us to a very well, critical. As long as your grandkids will be very wondering what the hell you were listening to this stuff for, anyway. Backups, Brian. <laughs> oh, backups, of course. Yeah. See where you back it once, up on a hard drive. Once you, once back you it take up this LP, CD-ROM, yeah. you put it into a computer file, mm. and you might have hundreds of these files, and it could be. You know, 100 megabytes of data mm. sitting on your hard drive. What are you going to do with it then? Because what mm. if your computer crashes? What if you lose that hard drive? Mm. Got to back everything up. Absolutely. I am the number one victim of not backing up. Mm. I have lost all of my music. Mm. I had 20 gig of music from my little Ooh. iPod. Yeah. And it was all sitting there, and I, you know what I did? I moved it onto an external hard drive. Now, an mm. external hard drive is, is a very simple thing to explain. It's just a little box that sits mm. beside your computer, which you can take and connect to any other computer at any time, and, it, and all the data is still intact. Mm. Now, I moved it all onto there. Problem is, the hard drive failed. And that was my only backup. So the backup failed, but the problem was I started using the backup as sort of the mm. storage yep. and, uh, and thinking that because it was an, uh, an external hard drive and it was, it was, it was in safekeeping there, I'd start using that as the actual storage place. So mm. if you're going to use an external hard drive for storage, back it up, unplug it, don't use mm. it as a normal hard drive, don't use it as your active hard drive because wear and tear on hard drives is what causes problems with them. Mm. Um, you know, you've got, to, you've got to put stuff on other media. You've got to, I mean, you were telling me the other day, Brian, about the National Film and Sound Archive backing things up to tape. They said use tape the only reliable DVDs method. are so easy to scratch. Mm. Well, I suggest you put stuff on a DVD and DVD burning is not a hard thing to do. If you've got, so everyone has a CD drive in their computer, the little, press the button, out comes the CD, you put the CD in. Most of them these days burn CDs and you can burn data to them. But the amount of data you can burn is limited to, mm. you know, 700 meg, 640 meg, something like that. Now, that's a, that's a lot of data, but in these days, when you're talking about gigabytes of data and the amount of music and photos that we all keep... Uh, you've really got to be burning to, to DVD, and, and you can take four gig onto a DVD, which okay, is... Okay, how do I burn 24-bit music onto a DVD? I've asked a lot of experts this, well, and no one can person. tell me. I have no idea, Brian. I have some 24-bit files that I've downloaded. This is quality music, better quality than CD, which is 16-bit. This is DVD quality, and I've got them as sound files. The computer will play them. Hmm. Winamp will decode them for me. But are you trying I think to Windows burn Media will do it. I want to burn them on a DVD so I can play them on in my a stereo. DVD. In a, in a, on a DVD player? On a DVD player, yeah. yes. Well, that would be I have problem. a Super Audio DVD player, which plays the really good stuff. Uh, but I've got this great stuff on the computer, which would be much better off going through my big valve stereo. And what, uh, what DVD burning software do you use? Oh, Nero. I was going to say Nero would be the best bet I'd in my book. Mm, mm. Has some pretty good, but you know I've tried to burn videos to DVD, 
and I often get problems where the audio mm. and video are out of sync or it fails halfway through. Mm. It's it's still a, a hard process burning yeah. actual video and, and actual audio to a DVD to be played on a DVD device. Mm. To burn data, and the difference there is basically that data is just computer files. So mm-hmm. you can burn 4 gig of data onto a DVD disc, mm-hmm. and that's no problem. You can use it again. But to, to use a DVD disc as a video or an audio disc, an audio um, piece to put in your um, stereo, yeah. that's a much harder thing to do. So, you know, you uh, probably got to look for, for, for more high-end software. Nero's a, Nero's a common use piece of software. So you probably need to find something a little higher end, and that might be, uh, you might have to scour the internet for Can that. Can you guess why those people don't put the price of their laser turntable in their uh, website? I'm tipping it's in the thousands. Because I'm looking at smartdev.com who have a pro- problem with a the factory. They love the device, but they don't want to deal with the factory anymore. Um, ELP, that's the company, has a new program called the Free Audition System that will cost you between 4950 and 6650 US as a security deposit. <laughs> so you can just, uh, your eyes bleed as you try to imagine what the final cost of this deal will be. What we will be seeing in the future is people who have companies that buy these devices, sort of one per hundred suburbs maybe, and then they will do the real service. We'll put your LPs onto computer. Exactly. The lasers can be adjusted to bounce off part of the groove that's never had the needle touching it, mm. meaning virgin record, even if you've played it many times. Mm. Because the needle doesn't wear all the grooves. There'd definitely be a market for it. Oh, look, there will because be. Cleaning some, up a record mm. is a laborious process, and it's oh, not it is, like it's yeah. not something I've ever even tried because mm. I, I know that I won't have the patience for it. Mm. But I've got a, a big box of, uh, of 45s and 33s at home, which I'd love to have mm. on my computer. But, uh, you know, and I could easily buy a turntable from Dick Smith or Tandy or wherever, and there'd be no problems. You can get com- turntables now that plug directly into your computer, and mm. I love that. But to have to cut them up and clean them up, I'm sure this laser yeah. thing would actually cut them and clean them. That'd be um, unbelievable. Well, yeah, there'd be less mucking around. It would be quicker. Well, because it, 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 it'd automatically de- delineate between the tracks, yeah. um, and they'd come up as files on your computer as tracks. It's for someone who's just spent uh, $70,000 on a projector TV. <laughs> and they've still got a lot of money left over from uh, winning several lotteries. I was just going to say, that's um, some serious disposable need to, income. need to dispose of some income. Just getting back to the week's top five interesting links, we looked at the laser turntables for your records. But early days yet, I'm not sure they have distributors here in Australia. And there are some in America that aren't entirely happy with the way their arrangements have been uh, sorted out. So... Uh, People in the States might have to deal directly with the factory in Japan, and you might have to have several wheelbarrow fulls of money in order to get this device. Uh, let's see, there's a free legal download site for music, all of this at chipforbrains.com. Uh, there's some history involving a John Mosby. Now, that's got me. I, I wasn't brilliant at history, but John Mosby's Revenge? I've got nothing. What on earth does that mean? Why should we be telling people about history? All right. Uh, There's an art section, design your own cards. And more history, Napoleon's bookshop. I didn't know he had a bookshop. Boy, he was an all-rounder, wasn't he? I didn't know Michael's so interested in history. Oh, he's interested in history of warfare in particular. I'll tell you about history of warfare yeah. before you finish. Yeah. Yeah. Someone last week uh, rang in and uh, suggested a, a website to us, Australian Australians at war.com.au. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's based around a, a, an ABC TV show, but mm-hmm. um, but it's it's a, a defence and veterans affairs funded venture. Yeah, and it's a website where you can go to begin a sort of family tree. Um, 
I, I tried to have a go, but I don't know enough details, and it's mm-hmm. a bit embarrassing. But I don't know things like my my grandfather's birth date and things like that. But you yeah. can just start off. You can start off by just talking about the basics of a of a person in your family who you know their service mm. history, and basically around that they they find uh, links and they and they'll build a tree of of the service history of your your family. Mm. Now there was there was one part on there, and it was a little twenty question quiz, mm-hmm. um, covering everything from World War One to to Vietnam. And uh, I've got to be honest, I failed dismally, and uh, that made me think think twice, and made me think I'm going to have a better look at this site and a better mm. better reading of the history there because there were some simple questions there I just guessed at. Um, so it's a good little site, australiansatwar.com.au, and uh, mm-hmm. take the little quiz and see how you go of the 20 questions, Sam, and you get right. I got 11, so only just and Remember, passed. on the average, one in eight of your great-grandchildren will remember your name. Really? There you go. The great-grandchildren. One in eight, if you have eight. Well, there you go. I've only got no idea eight. what my great-grandfather's so name was, so... All right, so don't carve your initials into the desk just because of that. (laughs) And, Trevor, here's that item that came up uh, from, uh, bounced from the Drudge Report, as a matter of fact. About 100,000 users have been infected with malware that's piggybacked on Windows updates, according to a report from Symantec, the security research firm. A Trojan, which began circulating in March via spammed email, used an interesting technique to download malicious files. Its method of, uh, method of attack was by way of a Windows component, also known as a background intelligent transfer service, bits to download the file. Huh. So uh, that's that it's goes sneaky, back to the key. sneaky stuff. Don't yeah. open an attachment if you don't know the email. Delete it. If you mm. if you're worried about the email, don't open the attachment because one of the biggest places they um, they hide viruses in mm. is in files that look like screensavers or mm. PowerPoint presentations. Or zip files. Um, so they'll send you yeah. a zip file and you'll think, oh, it's, a, it's an image or something in there. So you'll open up the zip file and you'll open what's inside the zip file mm-hmm. and you'll think, oh, I'll open that and it'll be a fun little game or whatever and bingo, you've got yourself a virus. Or, And a lot of times viruses, you don't know about them. You don't mm. know. You wouldn't know that something is doing that to your computer mm. unless you've got the latest security updates. And that's why you've got to do that every week. You've got to update things every week. Talking about technology, there's a new airport security system being used in Amsterdam now that sees through the clothes of the passengers who wish to board the plane. Seen that for a while now. But yeah. it doesn't give them an X-ray, which is no good for you. Mm. It uses radio waves. Oh. Good old wireless. Good old wireless. And it sort of bounces them through the person and they will bounce off for the pistol any mm. so solid, show up, uh, solid object that solid they're carrying. Objects. Mm. Very interesting. So uh, watch out for bamboo weapons. They don't show up on metal detectors. And bamboo can be sharpened, as you know. Is that a common thing? So watch out for that. Um, not out my way, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Something that we need we, bamboo detectors. We mentioned last week. We mentioned eBay a little bit, and there's two uh, two follow-ups from that. Uh, we got an email from uh, from someone letting us know because I mentioned uh, that I thought there should be a garage sale website, a place you can go to uh, there just is. list your things. Oh, yeah. And mm. and there is a website called The Trove, T H E T R O V E, thetrove.com.au. And uh, and that apparently allows you to go there and list your own um, your own products for free, and you don't have to pay for your listings. You don't pay a commission or anything of those, those sorts of things. Mm. I will say though, it's run by um, another website called DealsDirect.com.au, which oh, is yes. um, yep. 
a I've similar sort of uh, yeah. you know auctioning site. I haven't bought anything yet, but no, it's fascinating but, to browse. Uh, it stuff. basically mm. they want you to sign when you sell something or when you buy something, you mm. need to sign up to their newsletter. So basically, they're going to uh, they're going to send you updates every week or so about what's happening on Deals Direct and try and entice you to buy things from there. Which you know is fine if you want to take advantage of a free service like thetrove.com.au. But someone uh, someone last week and and if you have a question like this, just send us an email on on the two GB website. There's a there's a link to Brian or to Chip for Brains. Um, if you've got a question, just just shoot it in. We'll we'll, uh, we'll mm. follow it up. Um, someone someone made a very simple simple point. How do you keep track of the bids on eBay when someone outbids you? Yeah. Now, Brian, you're not you're not a big eBay never user. Never done never you, done an eBay. I think no. you need to get into it. But what happens is you're you're a registered user. So mm. I've joined eBay. I've made yeah. a username up. They've got my email address, and I go in and I say, well, I want to bid. The the current bid for this particular item is twenty three dollars. Mm-hmm. So I say, well, I want to bid twenty four. Yeah. Well, see, eBay is very smart now. It actually lets you place a maximum bid. So you can, I can say, my maximum bid is fifty dollars. It's the most yeah. I want to pay for that thing. Yes, yes. And so what happens is, if someone, if it'll take, you'll give you the twenty. They notify bid. you if someone tops it. They'll put your first bid in at twenty four dollars, oh, and then see. if someone else has has put their maximum bid in at thirty, they'll oh. go to twenty five, and it'll sort of automatically do the bidding up until thirty. <laughs> That's neat. And they'll give you the thirty one dollar bid. Mm. Now it's 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 very cunning because in essence what they're doing is they're mm. automatically inflating the prices because I don't want to mm. go back every five minutes and check the bid, yeah. so yeah. I'm automatically okay. saying, tell you what, take it up to fifty. And we'll go from so there. So this is good for the seller, really. Exactly. Yeah. Now, what happens is exactly that. You get an email. So if you had the highest bid and someone outbid you, you get an email. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's that tells you someone's outbid you. You can go back in and make another bid. Um, but the number one thing to do is you've got to be there at the very end. You've got to be there for the last minute mm-hmm. of bidding because they'll all, if it's oh, a good yeah. item, yep. someone else will be there. I've bid for a couple of things in, oh, in the last month or so. I've I've had the last bid in the last 10 seconds of the auction and only just won it. Mm. So you've got to be very careful because that's the key is to be there at the last minute. I was looking for a website the other day, forgetting that I'd already put it up on my own website in the uh, handy link section, mm. and it's free streaming of top 40 tunes, an enormous collection going all the way back to the 40s. Completely and you just legal? Cl- cl- as far as I know, you're not downloading it. Well, it's still it. there, isn't you're it? You're just listening. It's like a radio. Someone's Internet playing radio, a, as playing it were. A fee, I suppose. It's tropicalglen.com. Mm. You'd never guess. Tropicalglen, as one word, dot com. Before we get you to don't that. have to pay a thing. You just click and say, Before oh, I wonder what's in 1958. Let's check that. I will find this piece of software and I'll, I'll put a link mm. on your website to it. There's uh-huh. a piece of software that I downloaded about a year ago, and it's mm. just this little thing that runs in your computer. And if you're listening to an internet radio station yeah. or listening to 2GB and, and you play a song, Brian, yep. you click click a button on this and it will oh. recognize what song it is. Oh, we need that. Oh, it just works out we what the waveform is. And Too says, many well, radio stations is, don't back song. announce their exactly. music. Yeah. Anyway, I'll get it for Good you next one. week. And I also have put a new link on my website today. Um, it is the most fantastic piece of music from Vanessa May. It's in the useful links pages of my website. Are you familiar with that, Vanessa no. May? Name rings a bell. Thai, Chinese Thai Violin virtuoso, child prodigy. I've seen her now on, in her mid twenties. Yes, I've seen her on some. some oh, talk she's shows lovely, things. and she does a version of "I'm a Doin' for Lacquer Johnny," an old Scottish song with heavy duty percussion, and she has this gentle, plaintive Scottish tune with the powerful percussion because she mm. likes to mix the two, yep. the fusion, and it's just a wonderful piece of music. It's one of those desert island discs. Oh. And it's on, U- it's on YouTube, so there you go. YouTube, by Vanessa the way, May. is Y-O-U-T-U-B-E. Someone emailed us during the week and said, tell me about YouTube, and they spelt it <laughs> U, the letter yeah. U, T-U-B-E. So Which it's Y-O-U-T-U-B-E. Mm. We have a quick caller here. G'day, John. G'day, John. 
Yes, mate. Fire away. Okay, can I speak to Trevor, please? Yeah, fire away. How are you, mate? Good, um, mate. I've got two computers. The first one, I've got about 50 updates for XP. I use a slow modem. Right. Uh, I just installed the new XP on a second computer. Yep. Can I utilize those 50 updates and transfer them into the new computer without having to download them? Does it take quite a while to initialize and download? There is a way to do it. Um, off the top of my head, I don't know what it is. Now, it, all the Windows updates, unless you've deleted them, because when, you can actually set to delete all those things because they do yeah, take no, up I a lot of space. I can see about 50. They've got a funny sort of a title on them. Um, now, what I'll do is I will get I'll get your details off there, and I will email you, and we'll talk about it next week. Oh, but what it is, there's a, there's a, a section in your computer in the Windows folder where all of those are kept. Yes, and what no, you can do is you can actually burn them onto a CD yes. so that once you've installed Windows, yes. in fact, you can you can burn all the Windows into one so that it actually is the latest version. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot, it's a, I see what you're saying. So basically what John's done is he's, he's you know spent a lot of time downloading all those updates I talked about for security and things on one computer, and now you don't want to actually have to go and redo it all over again with Windows on another computer because it'll take forever. It could take hours with, uh, exactly, with, a, with yeah. a slow speed. Um, so you've got those in updates sitting on your computer. You want to work out how to install them. It's a very good question, um, and I'll get you the answer, and we'll, we'll probably put it on the website so that everyone can do it. But um, I know it's, it can be done. I actually saw someone talking about it recently. Um, it's a very complicated process, though, John. So we, we might but get some very... the case of putting them on uh, no, a you rewritable don't... one. You don't just copy them over, no. It's not that simple. You've got to do some procedures within the installation of Windows. So it would be quite in-depth to go through. So what we'll do is we'll get you a bit of a dot point. Okay, John, don't hang up. Hold on. We'll put you back to the switch to get the details. And it's two and a half to 11. One of the most enjoyable things that you can do with a PC. Let's see. I got the wrong one up, haven't I? Um, is that not the most enjoyable thing you do with it, a PC? Uh, it wasn't that particular one, okay, no. It was uh, that was track 18. I meant to get track 17. Sorry about that. No, it goes like this. Oh, there we go. Have a Actually, the overture goes on for a while. I should have started it halfway through to give you a better idea. So is it something you've created from scratch? Something created, yeah, with acid loops. Acid loops, yeah. You can do classical, there's a, techno, There's a similar whatever. program on the, mm. on the Mac called yeah. Garage Band. That's it, yes. You put like down that. guitar riffs and, and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff, and you can literally write your own music. And then yeah. if you've got the vocals, sing them on top. I'm these, tipping, these I'm tipping there's no vocals free. on here. No vocals. These are copyright-free, <laughs> pre-recorded tracks. Yeah. You get a guy doing the drum bits of drums and then clapping sounds and orchestral sounds, and you mix them and together. Can you adjust the tempo and things Absolutely. like that? Absolutely. Everything can, is adjusted. What's it called? It's called Acid Loops. Sonic Foundry. Put it together. I think it's been bought by Sony. Uh, Sonic Foundry, who do the SoundForge uh, music... Uh, doctoring program. Yeah, they're the one that's the, the one help that you clean up, up clean up, up LPs. LPs. Yeah, and a lot of loops are available free on the internet. Just download them, and away you go. Yeah, make all the music for the radio. Oh, it's so much fun. I can come off air not wanting to do any more talking, but this uses a part of the brain that hasn't received any blood in the previous few hours. <laughs> never record that. Way I go, and all of a sudden the sun's coming up, and I got to go and look at this. Midnight is 
coming up in just over an hour. So we've got to go. Thanks very much for coming in, Trevor. Thanks, Brian. It's a pleasure. Have a great week. We'll see you next Thursday night for more of the Chip for Brain show.